Hey there, welcome to Pickled Parables. This podcast is presented by Parable Ministries as a Bible teaching resource. Thank you for joining us. Pickled Parables is a podcast about taking in and living out the Bible. Here we will study, contemplate, and testify to the Bible's incredible teachings and how it leads us to live better lives. To stay up to date with all things Parable, follow us on Instagram at parable underscore ministries and visit our website at parableministries.com. We hope today's message finds you well. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. John bore witness about him and cried out, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me, he ranks before me, because he was before me. For from his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, the only God, who is at the Father's side. He has made him known. And this is the testimony of John. When the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem, to ask him, Who are you? He confessed, and he did not deny, but he confessed, I am not the Christ. And they asked him, Well, what then? Are you, are you Elijah? He said, I am not. Are you the prophet? He answered, No, I am not. So they said to him, Who are you? We need to give an answer to those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? He replied, I am the voice of one crying out in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord, as the prophet Isaiah said. 
Now, they had been sent from the Pharisees. They asked him, Then why are you baptizing, if you are neither the Christ, nor Elijah, nor the prophet? John answered them, I baptize with water, but among you stands one you do not even know, even he who comes after me, the strap of whose sandal I am not worthy to untie. These things took place in Bethany, across the Jordan, where John was baptizing. The next day he saw Jesus coming toward him, and he said, Behold, the Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world. This is he of whom I had said, After me comes a man who ranks before me, because he was before me. I myself did not know him, but for this purpose I came baptizing with water that he might be revealed to Israel. And John bore witness. I saw the Spirit descend from heaven like a dove, and it remained on him. I myself did not know him, but he who sent me to baptize with water, he said to me, He on whom you see the Spirit descend and remain. This is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. And I have seen and have borne witness that this is the Son of God. The next day, again, John was standing with two of his disciples, and he looked as Jesus walked by, and he said, Behold, the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him say this, and they followed Jesus. Jesus turned and saw them following, and he said to them, What are you seeking? And they said to him, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? He said to them, Come, you will see. So they came and saw where he was staying, and they stayed with him that day, for it was about the tenth hour. One of the two who heard John speak and followed Jesus was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first found his own brother, Simon, and he said to him, We have found the Messiah, which means Christ. He brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and he said, You, you are Simon, the son of John. You shall be called Cephas, which means Peter. The next day, Jesus decided to go to Galilee. He found Philip, and he said to him, Follow me. Now, Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip found Nathanael, and he said to him, We have found him, of whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nathanael said to him, Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Philip said to him, Come and see. Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him, and he said of him, Behold, an Israelite indeed, in whom there is no deceit. Nathanael said to him, How do you know me? Jesus answered, Before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you.
Nathanael answered him, Rabbi, you are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. Jesus answered him, Because I said to you, I saw you under the fig tree, do you believe? You will see greater things than these. And he said to him, Truly, truly, I say to you, you will see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. On the third day, there was a wedding at Cana in Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. Jesus also was invited to the wedding with his disciples. When the wine ran out, the mother of Jesus said to him, They have no wine. And Jesus said to her, Woman, what does this have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, Do whatever he tells you. Now there were six stone water jars there for the Jewish rites of purification, each holding twenty or thirty gallons. Jesus said to the servants, Fill the jars with water. And they filled them up to the brim. And he said to them, Now draw some out and take it to the master of the feast. So they took it. When the master of the feast tasted the water, which had now become wine, and he did not know where it had come from, though the servants who had drawn the water, they knew. The master of the feast called the bridegroom, and he said to him, Everyone serves the good wine first, and when people have drunk freely, then the poor wine. But you have kept the good wine until now. This, the first of his signs, Jesus did at Cana in Galilee, and he manifested his glory, and his disciples believed in him. After this, he went down to Capernaum with his mother and his brothers and his disciples, and they stayed there for a few days. You know, like in a symphony, this movement of John carries with it repeated themes. There's the element of Christ's divinity. The word became flesh, and he dwelt or tented. The idea is that he tabernacled among us. This body wrapped in flesh was like the temple of old in how it contained the presence of God. Angels would ascend and descend on this Son of God, like in Jacob's dream. But rather than a place, this was a person. This incarnate person would manifest his divine glory and the wine of celebration, it would overflow. There's also the aspect of renewing the purpose and the value of the Mosaic law. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. This Lamb of God would serve a distinct purpose in fulfilling the law of God. He would fill empty purification jars with very rich, very good wine. Thirdly, there's a portion about those who would reject the light and those who would welcome it. The true light came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. 
But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. The key word here is belief. Turning water into wine, the first of his signs, Jesus did at Cana in Galilee, and he manifested his glory. And his disciples believed in him. This first collection of chapters is an interwoven story that has many unique pieces and and many layers of detail. The buildup of this moment is reached in the next 10 verses. The Passover of the Jews was at hand, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. In the temple, he found those who were selling oxen and sheep and pigeons, and the money changers sitting there. Now, even though Jesus would have traveled south from Capernaum to Jerusalem, Jerusalem was a mountainous city, or as scripture would say, a city on a hill. And so it was always referred to as going up to. There's even some psalms in the Old Testament called the Songs of Ascent, which were sung by pilgrims who were making the trek up to the Jerusalem temple in observance of a holiday festival. So no matter your direction of travel, you were always going up to Jerusalem. Now, Jesus, in this moment, was going to observe Passover. Passover was first introduced in the book of Exodus as God brought his people out of Egypt. Leaman spoke of this festival in his lesson about the Israelite Exodus in episode 49. Passover was one of three festivals celebrated in the specific location of Jerusalem. The other two were Pentecost and Tabernacles. Jewish pilgrims from the diaspora and Gentile proselytes would travel from all over the Roman world to Jerusalem just for these celebrations. According to historians, attendance of these festivals could reach into the millions. Here for Passover, worshipers would come to the temple in Jerusalem and celebrate with praise and offering the exodus of their forefathers. It was a time of remembrance. From the Torah, instructions were given for how this celebration would take place. There's a couple of different passages where this this festival and how it should be practiced is mentioned, but each place of instruction gets built upon the further it goes. So I will read from Deuteronomy chapter 16. Observe the month of Abib, and keep the Passover to the Lord your God. For in the month of Abib, the Lord your God brought you out of Egypt by night, and you shall offer the Passover sacrifice to the Lord your God from the flock or the herd at the place that the Lord will choose to make his name dwell there. You shall eat no leavened bread with it, and seven days you shall eat it with unleavened bread, the bread of affliction. For you came out of the land of Egypt in haste, that all the days of your life you may remember the day when you came out of the land of Egypt. No leaven shall be seen with you in all your territory for seven days, nor shall any of the flesh that you sacrifice 
on the evening of that first day, remain all night until morning. You may not offer the Passover sacrifice within any of your towns that the Lord your God is giving you, but only at the place that the Lord your God will choose to make his name dwell in it. There you shall offer the Passover sacrifice in the evening at sunset, at the time you came out of Egypt. And you shall cook it and eat it at the place that the Lord your God will choose. And in the morning you shall turn and go to your tents. For six days you shall eat unleavened bread, and on the seventh day there shall be a solemn assembly to the Lord your God. You shall do no work on it. So we see Jesus coming to the temple in Jerusalem when the Passover, this this moment of remembrance, is at hand. So the Passover is either about to begin or it has just begun. When he arrives, the author, John, paints a picture of a marketplace. People are selling oxen, sheep, pigeons, and money changers are there to facilitate the purchase of these animals. Now, a series of events happened between when the Israelites received instruction from Torah and when Jesus came to visit on this specific day. Many years had passed since the institution of Passover. At this point in time, there was a diaspora of Jewish nationals who lived all over the Roman world. For these individuals, a yearly temple visit might have been desired, but impractical. The length of time it took to travel and the expense of it was a prohibitive roadblock for many. And so for a worshipful pilgrim to dedicate an extended length of time and a great amount of savings to make the trek up to Jerusalem, it was a very intentional and special time that they set aside. They could even have gone as a representative for a household of families. Because of this great pilgrimage, the Jerusalem temple began to accommodate them. When you're traveling a a great distance the way that they did, I, I imagine that it would have been very difficult to bring with you a sacrificial animal. And so these sacrificial animals began being offered for sale. But now that money is being brought into the temple, we have to have an exchange for it because you're not supposed to bring engraved images into the temple courts. Roman currency would have had the faces of different Caesars on it. So money changers were brought in so that a temple currency could be issued. As this change continued to grow, the intended atmosphere of worship became overshadowed by incredible profit. Additionally, this temple marketplace became set up in the court of the Gentiles, For any Gentile proselytes who wanted to come and worship the God of Israel, the unfortunate experience that they would have received was one of a chaotic bazaar. And this is what Jesus walked into. And this is what Jesus did next. Making a whip of cords, he drove them all out of the temple with the sheep 
and the oxen. And he poured out the coins of the money changers and overturned their tables. And he told those who sold the pigeons, Take these things away. Do not make my father's house a house of trade. In his disciples, they remembered that it was written, Zeal for your house will consume me. This moment is shown to gather all those loose threads that we've been pulling at so far in this book, and it bundles them up into a corded braid or into a whip. The divinity of Christ is demonstrated at the temple of God. The Mosaic law is being dusted off and woken up. And the divide between light and darkness is becoming more evident. And so the Jews said to him, What sign do you show us for doing these things? Jesus answered them, Destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up. The Jews then said, It has, it has taken 46 years to build this temple, and you, <laughs> you will raise it up in three days. But he was speaking about the temple of his body. When, therefore, he was raised from the dead, his disciples remembered that he had said this, and they believed the scripture and the word that Jesus had spoken. These final sentences are the culmination of everything that has come before it. Jesus was speaking about the temple of his body because this incarnate person was the tabernacled presence of God. When his disciples remembered this after his resurrection, they believed, how did the author say it? The scripture and the word that Jesus had spoken. What does that remind us of? In the beginning was the word, and the word became flesh. Notice also the subtle inclusion of Gentiles. This took place in the court of Gentiles. This was the furthest that a Gentile proselyte could go in their worship of God. And it was being commandeered by accommodations for producing wealth. Jesus declared, Take these things away. Do not make my Father's house a house of trade. There are so many connections being made here, <laughs> and a lot more study on my part, for sure. But it is evident that this first symphony of John has a clear chorus. Jesus, the Son of God, has come to fulfill and renew with the divine light of God. Thank you for listening to Pickled Parables. If you enjoyed this message, please rate us, subscribe, and share with your friends. If you're interested in more things like this, check out our secondary podcast called My Dusty Bible. To stay up to date with all things Parable, follow us on Instagram at parable underscore ministries and visit our website at parableministries.com. 
Parable is a volunteer organization, and we would deeply appreciate your prayers. Thank you for joining us today. We'll catch you later.